Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hear this, hear this, right now. Welcome. Prime Time with Isaac and Souk. What is going on up here? I never know, man. Unbiased. Shut, shut, your, shut your mouth. Uncompromised sports talk without the sugar coating. I hope you're happy. You wasted everyone's life for 30 seconds. Isaac Rupp and Jason Sukanik. Now shut up and let me do my job. The best in sports coverage. This is going to be great. This is Primetime with Isaac and Souk on 1080 The Fan. Ahoy, hoy. It is good to be back. It is I, Big Souk, Jason Sukanik. Uh, not Isaac Rupp, unfortunately. Now, this was uh, the day where we were supposed to unite. Me, Rob, Buck. Buck, by the way, how you doing, man? Hey, dude, how's it going? It's been a while. Happy New Year. It's been a minute since we've all been together. Yeah, yes, it it, it's uh, we do the old, uh, haven't seen you since last year. Please don't do that. Um, and so we we're all supposed to be back, but uh, Rob was down in the great state of Kansas visiting his parental units, and apparently he has reached some sort of uh, kerfuffle. I'm not certain if he's flying southwest or exactly what happened, uh, but he was delayed. I guess there was a weather delay in Salina. I had to drive to Kansas City. He's trying to catch a flight out of Kansas City. So we're hoping he will be back here tomorrow at some point. But uh, Andrew Nemec and his wonderful Jesus-like hair has been kind enough to fill in uh, for Rob. So I uh, appreciate that. And uh, it feels weird. I, I got back today. I could not get into the building. We changed the keys to the building. I didn't have one. I forgot the password. Uh, to to log into my computer. I forgot the password to my email. Basically, I've had a total hard drive uh, crash over the last two, two and a half weeks. So bear with me as we try to uh, figure this thing out. Back up and running now, though. <laughs> Functioning now. We're working on it. We're working on it. It's- and, and it's such a weird kind of day to be back like normally you come back from vacation and because i do this you know every year I, I usually take the last let's say you know eight to nine days of the year off and then between bowl games or whatever so the last two weeks of the year i'm usually gone uh you know i was down in mexico that's kind of my thing i'm a i'm a white christmas guy but i go sand not snow i didn't know you were going where you're going with that for a minute. <laughs> well it could be i guess if you are south of the border it could turn into that and so normally when you come back it's it's you know it's kind of jovial and you see people that you haven't seen in a while and you know it's and there's so much to recap right you got, you got bowl season you know the good and the bad you know when you look at oregon oregon state and the bulls and then what happened with usc and what happened with the rose bowl and you got the nfl playoffs and you know blazers there's so much to 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 kind of talk about national signing day there's all this stuff and so it's usually kind of a a a really fun time to come back i always get kind of energized with that first show of the new year and then you know what happened last night with uh you know with with the bills game and uh with with demar hamlin it's it's just it's a weird 
I, I, it's just a it's a weird moment. It's a weird moment because what we do is is entertainment. We watch sports. We talk about it. We're all here, um, you know, for that, and we try to entertain. And yet, so much of of what entertains us now kind of reminds us of something that's a lot more important than a silly game that's that's been played. And I've been doing this for twenty years. I've been a part of football since I was probably eight years old. And these things don't happen very often, but they do happen in sports. They do happen in football. And when they do, it's just, it's, it's one of those reminders that puts it right in your face that there are things that are a lot more important. And it kind of makes what we do, not just here at the radio station, but in, in, in the media, in, in, in the sports world in general, it kind of makes it just seem irrelevant. And it, it, it kind of casts a, a weird fog over everything. Yeah, I, I think last night is a good reminder, and it's as, as silly as it sounds, as basic as it sounds, I do think when we watch football, we forget how absolutely dangerous it, it is. Yeah. If the average person threw on a, a helmet and ran the ball up the middle and got hit by Aaron Donald, it could seriously kill them. I mean, these are elite athletes against elite athletes, and so they're relatively safe. Um, every once in a while, there's these reminders of, of how dangerous the sport and sports really are the the injury that that hamlin sustained has has also been sustained alleged i mean based on what they think happened that he was hit in the chest just at the right time which caused uh cardiac arrest that's happened in hockey before it's happened as you mentioned uh off the air in lacrosse before it's i know it's happened in basketball it's happened in other sports um it's just an absolute tragedy and regardless of what happens that that something like that happened to him you feel for his family you worry about his long-term outcome and and the short-term outcome at this point but uh uh, certainly a, a reminder that that sports are very dangerous and and puts things in perspective yeah and and, and that's it, it's it's important to know that all of these um all of these opinions that are being given on what happened are, are like you said it's it's speculation and i think there's difference between wild speculation and an educated opinion and there are a lot of really smart medical doctors sports doctors that you can go and you can find educated opinions. This isn't Skip Bayless. This isn't some hot take jackass on there. You know, like right now, there's a lot of vaccine talk. You know, it's it's that's my other favorite. And anytime there's something like this, then it it you know the the crazies get to come out of the you know the the cracks. And now we're you know we're getting the oh well you know it's it's athletes dropping like flies. We get the John Stockton thing, but we haven't heard anything from the. Um, Hamlin or the the family or the Buffalo Bills other than we know that he had cardiac arrest. And so when you listen to people that actually know what they're talking about, there is something like what you said where I guess you can and they say it's like it's 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 just the it's it's a fluke thing. You literally get hit in the chest hard enough in the middle of a heartbeat and there's like this this millimeter, you know, kind of little window there that can can cause one of these things. And now the scary thing going forward is there's all kinds of, of stories about where people have lost their lives over this. There's other people that have made full recoveries. Chris Pronger is a hockey player that had this, and he went on to, to keep playing and ended up with a Hall of Fame career. So there's just this wide spectrum. So we don't know. All we know right now is that um, his heart stopped on the field. CPR was performed. He's now in a medically induced coma. He's in critical but stable condition, and he has machine breathing for him. I think that's that's the facts that we're dealing with right now. And and I know in this world, and I don't know if you were doing this too, but like I'm just on my phone, just 
scrolling through like last night, just like looking for information. But the reality of, of this is, again, listening to medical professionals, this may not, we may not have any answers for 48, 72 hours. We may not have answers for a week or two. How long was, we, was he without oxygen? Do we have any sort of uh, damage that occurred there? We just don't know. And so you can't really speculate on the nature of his condition. You can only go with what we think may have happened. But the long-term implications of it, who knows? But all, all you know right now is that you're just hoping that he wakes up. You're just hoping, regardless of, of, of what happens with his career or anything like that, you're just hoping that the young man wakes up. Because I think for a lot of those guys last night on the field, and you could see it on their face, their mortality came face-to-face. Like, if, if you've never seen... CPR performed in person. It's not like a bay. I've only seen it once. I've seen it one time, and it is not a. That's not true. I've actually seen it twice. Once in a hospital setting where it wasn't as scary because you were, I mean, you're, you're a little bit emotionally a, prepared. Yes, a little bit, you, a little bit because right. you, you know, you're like okay, I, you, you, you I understand you, my surroundings. You understand, There's context yes, here, right? And you are in the midst of. I mean, they are prepared for it, but once out of that, and it is a, it is an alarming. It's an alarming thing. It is not. It is not gentle. It is not. Um, it is not calm. It, it's just. It's. It's a really scary thing. And so, you know, for a bunch of football players, when you know, to see the looks on their faces when you see grown men weeping, you see grown men holding each other. I, I won't forget Josh Allen's face and just holding his yeah. his hands in his face. I mean, you. I just don't think anyone, uh, let alone an athlete, uh, is prepared for that. No one thinks. No one thinks that that's going to happen. We all understand when you sign up to play the game of football, you're taking on certain risks, but no one thinks about that. Yeah, and, and I think what's so scary about it or what, what's so startling and, and puts things in perspective about football in, in this instance is that it, it didn't look like much initially. And, yeah. I, and I don't mean, again, to minimize at all, but we see injuries where you go, oh my, you see a hit and you go, oh yeah. my gosh, where Mike White got hit in the ribs and yeah. he got folded. You go, yeah. well, of course he's hurt. Yeah. That didn't look like much. No. It just looked like T. Higgins landed with his helmet on his chest. And you're like, man, that probably had to stink. But you don't think, okay, well, that's going to stop his heart. I mean, it's no. terrifying. And then you think, how many fractions, how many different times in a game are we a fraction of an inch from that happening and and in no way um, am i blaming t higgins for lowering his helmet i know bart scott uh took a shot at t higgins and said it was his fault for lowering yourself yeah. that's that's hot take yeah, nonsense there, and there and unfortunately in this you're going to get whether it's bart scott's get but you're you're going to get some get a people, handful of those you're going to get a handful of those people uh but i i think what's so scary is it looked so normal and i think that's what scared so many athletes in the moment. Of course, as you mentioned, the CPR thing shocked everyone and, yeah. and, and brought the mortality uh, of, of human humanity yeah. into it. But also, I think that it didn't look like that big a hit. Yeah. It just And it's just terrifying to think, how many different times are we a fraction of an inch or a fraction of a second away from that hit happening in the open field? I mean, is that something that we're fairly close to all the, you know, regularly? And it just, it's the exact moment, the exact spot. Uh, it's just, it's absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I understand when stuff like this happens. I mean, obviously the, the discourse is, is going to be, um, it's going to be wide. It's going to be varied. I mean, this is one of those things that if you listen at, at all, you know, as you, as you drive around today and you're listening to whether it's local, you're listening to national stuff. I mean, this obviously is the, the predominant story when something like this happens, it, it kind of shakes you a little bit. It's like, I'm not trying to, maybe it's apples to oranges a little bit. It's like when, when Kobe passed away, right? Everything kind of, 
everything else in sports kind of ends up taking a back seat. And I think this has that sort of magnitude in that it just, you saw in the NBA last night, you had a couple of huge performances. I mean, Donovan Mitchell goes for 71. And what is he talking about at his press conference? You know, a lot of those guys are coming off the floor and they're being, you know, they're, they're talking about this. I mean, there's not a player in, in the world of sports. I don't know if there's someone just in the world of sports period that follows it, that didn't have this, um, didn't have, didn't, didn't make a huge impact. Like I said, I'm not one of these, big uh I, I hate to use the term but like you know watch the car crash sort of guy you know i'm not one of those guys that needs to show up at a, at a candlelight vigil or you know show up at a hospital for support or anything like that i'm usually and, and I'm, i don't go on social media i don't have anything to add in those moments i i tend to kind of stay back and, and try to stay in my own lane but i'll admit last night was one of those where uh it got to me a little bit more and i don't know why this one in particular got to me more than than some of the others um but it, it did it I, I was i mean i watched every minute of of the coverage and i even my, my girlfriend at one point even goes what are you what are you watching like they're, they're not saying anything but i i didn't really know what else to do i just kept watching it and then i was just on my phone scrolling through looking for information knowing that there was no information that was coming but there was almost like this weird feeling of of helplessness and oh it just it it, it uh it hit closer to home and and that's when you kind of realize that I think it did that for for a lot of people. There are moments in in just life that things something happens and you're trapped in the moment. You're just trapped. And and the biggest one in a in a totally different spectrum here was was September 11th. I think you know people when that first plane hit and then the second plane hit, yeah. they were just transfixed. And I'm not comparing this yeah. in in the scheme, sure. but there are these tragic moments that yeah. you see unfold, and you're just kind of locked in with. Oh, yeah. oh my God! And there, there is no analysis in that moment. There is nothing except, oh my gosh, what am I watching? Yeah, you just sit and stare. And, and we don't often have those yeah. in sports. We don't see those that often in sports. And so it really, when it takes you out of the entertainment world and pulls you into one of those moments, it's shocking. The one area that I've seen a lot of criticism, and, and I really am torn. I'm, I'm genuinely having an open conversation, and maybe that makes me look bad. Uh, I, a lot of people have said the league blew it here, yeah. and. I have a hard time with it. I think the system in its own way kind of worked, even though it seems cold and harsh. Initially, as is the general protocol, it, when there's a, you know, a spinal injury, a head injury, they wait five, ten minutes and resume. And I think most people in the immediacy of it yeah. thought that's potentially what it was. Yeah. And then as it unfolded and became more serious, the league maybe should have jumped in sooner. But in a league that... You know, and we've seen in other sports where athletes don't have much say in anything. Yeah. The athletes basically, it sounds like, and the coaches said, like, we're, we're done. Yeah. We're not playing anymore. Yeah. And the league didn't go, get your butts out on the field. They yeah. went, okay, we get it. We weren't there. We weren't in the building. We don't fully understand it. Uh, and then, you know, as perspective over a series of minutes, not, no, we're not talking days yeah. here, over a series of minutes, they went, okay, wait, this is bigger than we, you know, this is big. Do you feel like... The league deserves a ton of criticism, or do you feel like the system worked because the players had the ability to say no, and the league went, okay? I'm going to go yes and no on this, okay. and, and we'll talk about this, because I think this is such a layered conversation, and, and, and I promise we're not going to spend four hours doing this. We, we're going to try our best to give you a, a fun, entertaining show. We're going to go up to Seattle. Brady Henderson will join us at 3.30, talk a little Seahawks. They've got a big one. We will try to talk about some on-field stuff too, talk about the college football season. We'll do in the news, Club today and all that. So we're going to do our best to maybe provide a little bit of a distraction. Um, but I, I do think that these are conversations that 
that need to be had that I think are beneficial uh, to people. So we want to hear from you. You can text us 503-250-1080. And I want to talk about the league's response when we come back. You got primetime right here, 1080 The Fan. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The AAA Heating and Cooling poll question. AAA Heating and Cooling, a family company helping families for over 60 years. Go to AAAIAQ.com. You can find that on Twitter at Tainted to the Fan. And this is kind of what we were talking about um, right before the break. And I just simply ask you, do you approve of the way the NFL handled the situation last night with the postponed game? Yes or no? And you posed you posed that to me, which I thought was apropos because there's the poll question. I thought the NFL did an okay job with it. And 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 I think in in a situation like this, I think okay is good enough. Anytime I don't know how in in, in anyone's personal life and and you don't we don't need to get into, you know, I've done this, you've done that. But for the most part, if you've lived a peppered enough existence on this planet, you've been in a crisis or two, right? Maybe you've had something involving your wife, or maybe you've been there when, you know, a a grandfather passed away, or you've been involved in a car accident, or, you know, whatever it is, right? When you're in some sort of crisis situation, I think we all want this unrealistic notion of making these split-second, really smart, calculated decisions. And I would make the argument, in times of crisis, the worst thing you can probably do is knee-jerk reaction. As I'm watching that last night, my first thought is cancel the effing game. Because I, I know what it feels like to be on the field. Not for this, but I've told this story on air. One of the more traumatic things I ever went through, we were in college. And we were playing Air Force. And we had a kid from Air Force get a neck injury. And 
when you're on the field, the, the, the crappy part as a player is you can hear the, you can hear the conversations. You're not up in the stands. You're not relying on Joe Buck. You're right there. And so you get a kid who's down on the ground and everyone starts yelling and screaming and pointing and they come out and they're running out and they put the spine board on him and they cut the pads off and they unscrew the Jersey. And all I remember that kid is saying, I can't feel my arms or legs. And I'm like, and I don't know this kid. This isn't like the NFL where it's a very tight knit community. It's college football, right? I don't even remember what that kid's name was. Um, but in that moment, all I could think about was there was another 19 or 20 year old kid, just like me playing the exact same game. And I just heard, I can't feel my arms or legs. And they strapped him to that board. And, and I would say it was probably 30 minutes from the time he got hurt to the time they got him off the field. And I remember as the ambulance was driving off, my offensive line coach coming over and starting to yell at us to get our asses going, that this game isn't over. We got a game to win and you get your effing mind prepared. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, how on earth why what am i doing what what like you want me to go do that and guys we'll finish the game by the way but i will never forget that and so i i, I thought about that last night when you're in that moment when you're on that field and, and you're in this time of crisis all the different variables that go into that like if you're the nfl and you're you're not making some sort of sweeping statement from new york you're on the phone. I guess they were talking. The NFL, the NFL was was listening in on the the mic of the refs while they were talking to the head coaches. You're talking to the head coaches. You're maybe talking to the medical personnel, saying, "Hey, don't cancel the game right now. We got to make sure these ambulances can get out in a timely fashion. Do we really want sixty five thousand people streaming to their cars at at any moment?" I'm guessing when you're you're dealing with a TV deal where they paid a billion dollars a year to get that, I'm guessing there's a call to a TV partner and saying, "Hey, just you know, when this when we cancel this, you know what 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 goes on?" There are so many logistical things that happen, and I think a lot of this criticism comes from the idea that Joe Buck said multiple times that they had given him five minutes to warm up. Now the NFL has come out and said that didn't happen. Troy Vincent has said under no circumstances did we give anyone the the hey you have five minutes to get ready but kind of the sad part is is that when i heard that i thought it was real because again i remember being on the field where a kid was paralyzed and and being told hey you've got five minutes go get ready i, this, st I still think it's real i yeah. i, I because i th i think in the immediacy of it they probably said hey if this is serious you got five remember there's five minutes yes just as because that's general protocol. that's general protocol and then, and then during that time Someone. the nfl behind the scenes is yeah. doing other stuff yeah and saying again, it's reminded. Remember, probably a five-minute break here. I that would be my to via TV, right? Just yes. like a producer telling them in the area. Remember, there's usually a five-minute break here, yeah. ten-minute break here. And then as the league is doing all the stuff you're talking about, talking to sponsors, talking to whoever, talk, talk, you know, hearing from the coaches through the mics, the refs goes, no, 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 we're going to shut this down. And so when the league first gave a real new order. It was we're shutting it, shutting down. it down. So both sides could be telling it's the possible. truth. Like, and and we may never know exactly what went on. But this idea that it's and by a, the way, it, that's okay. Yes, we don't, we don't need to know no. the minute to minute what the league was thinking versus what Joe Buck was thinking. But the, the idea that even if even if the NFL had a notion of hey, let's wait and see. Because by the way, and I didn't know this. I'm not a I'm 
Buck, maybe you know the the incident. I just have, have heard enough people talking about it. I guess this happened in a European Championship uh, soccer game a yeah, number it, of years ago. In, in, and not that far ago, 2020 Euros. Uh, yeah. Like the, the basically their, um, just the, a European version of the World Cup, and it was a Danish player, Christian Eriksen, and they actually they brought the defibrillators out, and they, yeah. pa- they paddled him yeah. on the field, and then they actually finished that game during yeah. that tournament. I guess they waited, like once he was at the hospital and was stabilized and was given the okay, they finished the game. And I, I'm willing to guess, and again, it's just just one man's opinion. Had that situation been, um, how would you say, as he was leaving the field, if they had gotten word that he was going to be okay, if they're like, hey, we had an incident here, but everything's looking good, right? He's breathing, he's alert, he's talking to us, that game gets finished. Oh, definitely. So maybe there is even a sense, too, there of the NFL's like, hey, we don't know what we're dealing with here, and we have to hit pause. I just don't think there's many instances where I'm going to be critical of someone for not making a decision in a crisis situation in the in, in a really quick manner. Now, I guess there are life and death where you have to make a decision, right? Like with a medical personnel, yeah, someone's got to do CPR. You can't be like, hey, should we be doing? No, right? That's different. But in regards to canceling a game that in the grand scheme of things couldn't be more irrelevant when you're talking about a man's life, you got it right. Here's the it other... took you a while, but it got it right. And I I am never going to be overcritical for not getting it right on what I thought my timeline should be. Because that's it's an arbitrary time. In my mind... I'm like, there's no way you can play this game. But that's I'm I'm not in that room making that decision. I'm sitting on my couch at home watching it, and I'm grateful that I'm not the one. I'm not Troy Vincent. I'm not Roger Goodell because I don't want to be the one having to make that decision. Well, the the other layer here that no one gives the league credit for because we break down these minute to minute things of what did they say to Joe Buck is the league had the properly trained medical staff in place, and I would be willing to bet that out of all the teams in the league. All but, you know, who knows? But it would seem that all of them train for this. In fact, yes. one of the doctors I read, and who knows if they're telling the truth, but they did seem to formally work for the NFL. So they, they practice this exact situation at least once a year. It's yeah. mandatory. Well, and, and, So they have an idea. So the league should get credit for that too. And by no means am I the biggest rah-rah I love the NFL. Yeah. But no one wants to give them credit for the medical staff was trained properly. They were ready for this situation. They, they gave him CPR and knew what to do in that situation. Nobody flat out panicked and didn't know. The proper medical people were there within a split second and were able to to address his yeah. needs and and that that is valuable and that's part of what the league did yeah. for this decision and, and we don't know the outcome yet no. so before we toot everybody's horn and say great job by the league and that's not what i'm saying <clears throat> is before we say the league should have known to shut this down seven minutes and 25 seconds sooner yeah. we also have to say here's all the steps that went into a game like that yeah. that they were prepared for that allowed there to be a chance to be a today yeah. for him and we'll see what happens beyond this yeah but they, they gave him a chance Right. Outside of being in a hospital, I say you die from this. Yeah. If you're by yourself or you're in a car accident or you're not directly by medical staff, if it's the heart stop between beats, you got hit situation, which most people are most trained people are saying saying is likely what happened. Well, and, and I guess I was there's a lot of people that have pointed out different articles where this happens in like high school lacrosse and it happens in minor league hockey and there isn't. The, the the medical personnel isn't there. I mean, we know his heart stopped. And it stopped for several minutes before they were able to get it going. 
if you are going to have a crisis situation like this, outside of being in a hospital, I'm not certain there's a better place to have it than being in an NFL stadium Agreed. because yeah. of the, the the amount of care and how quickly they, they get it to you. And there is some, I've also read some people saying that there may be some positive signs, the fact that they waited for the mother to get in the, the ambulance, that if it really was one of like, oh my God, like maybe you know you don't wait for the mom to get in. So at, at this point, all we do is fingers crossed, and I hate to do it because thoughts and prayers drive me crazy, but it's all you can do at this point is hope that the young man wakes up and you hope that there is a recovery there. I could care less about his football career. I just hope that the young man wakes up, by all accounts, to a great individual. Like, I, I knew nothing about him. Did you? I, I knew nothing about no. Nothing about him. And, and by all accounts, now, everything you read is that he did everything the way you were supposed to, that he was a model citizen. He's what you want your son to be, is what you want to represent your university, is what you want to represent the NFL. And I guess he was doing this, uh, this toy drive for kids. And he had set out to raise money to to buy kids for uh, underprivileged kids in the Sounds Pittsburgh Sounds like he started era. that in college. In college, before he was a millionaire, before yeah. And his goal was twenty five hundred bucks. Twenty five hundred bucks. He's now up to five million, basically. It's like last time I saw it, it was like four point eight. So, and by the way, that's not a bunch of. I guess they say most of those don donations are fifty, a hundred thousand bucks. This is coming in one piece at a time. So it does go to show you that the impact that something like this made on the sports community. I think a lot of people. Um, we're moved by this. I think this at, at the core of us, because I think it, 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 we keep circling back to it. It's our humanity and it's our mortality. And when it stares at, at it's in the face like this, when you see a 24 year old completely healthy person and it doesn't seem that brutal and you see the repercussions of it, I just, I don't know how anyone could watch that and not be deeply affected. And I think the most, the most important way to end any segment talking about this is regardless of what we think of what happened with the league or Joe Buck or, or any, any of it, I think everyone's attention and focus needs to be on ho- hoping, yeah. at, or if you pray, that's that's your choice. Whatever you whatever you do, send your positive vibes to Demar Hamlin because yeah. uh, and his family because yeah, he's going him. through something. And by all accounts, regardless of what kind of person he is, he deserves that. But also, he happens to it sounds like to be a wonderful, wonderful person. So uh, certainly wishing him, the Bills organization, and his family the very best in in a very difficult time. All right, we pivot a little bit. Uh, when we come back, we're going to go up to Seattle. Brady Henderson covers uh, the Seahawks for ESPN. We'll talk about. How does Seattle move forward with this? How does this impact the NFL and what Seattle's looking at? Because, you know, week 18 is going to go on. The NFL has said, including the Buffalo Bills, these games will be played. So we take a look up in Seattle when we come back. Yeah, primetime right here on 1080 The Fan. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, welcome back in. We're going to try to do our best to make a little pivot here and, and maybe talk about um, you know, where you go if you're the NFL going forward. And uh, this guy joins us. You can follow him. He covers the Seattle Seahawks for ESPN. You can find him on Twitter at Brady Henderson. Uh, Brady, thanks for taking a couple minutes for us. Yeah, you got it. Thank you for having me. You know, it's, it's such a weird... It's such a weird day. Like we're we're sitting here and we're doing a show. We're trying to talk about football. It's a huge week coming up. This was supposed to be the game of the year, and then the situation last night happens. And I I feel like not just in Buffalo, not just in in Cincinnati, just across the NFL, there's just this weird kind of fog that is now kind of descended over over the NFL, especially not knowing the the condition of of uh, of Hamlin. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with that, and it's sort of the same with with me. Just as somebody who covers the NFL, you know, like Tuesday is the day where, as a reporter, you usually try to work ahead and send out some texts to people around the league, uh, check in on certain things, and and maybe you know tweet out some uh, things that you some numbers you look up or whatever. And it's uh, it's sort of hard to do any of that because it's like, what, what does this really matter right now? You yeah. know. Um, that was, it was pretty chilling last night watching that. And, uh, you know, that's watching from 3000 miles away on TV and, uh, just can't imagine what it was look like, to, what it was like to be, uh, on the field uh, seeing one of your teammates go through that, uh, not knowing if he's going to make it. So it's, um, you know, is, you know, unfortunately there are serious medical situations that occur in NFL games occasionally. And uh, you know, I've, I've covered games where you see a guy get strapped to uh, a backboard uh, or you know something like that, and they remove the face mask, and that is that alone is is chilling enough. But you sort of know in the back of your mind that that's probably a precautionary measure. Yeah. You know, last night they were giving Demar Hamlin CPR uh, and a defibrillator, which is a life saving measure, and that just gives you an idea of it just it's just crazy to think of um, you know how serious that situation was and. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. I, you know, it's it's. I don't think it's entirely unprecedented, but it, it is almost unprecedented. Um, and just you know, it's like nothing else really matters right now. It's it's hard to to talk about you know playoff games and whatnot. I, I know we've got to do it because um, you know the the show sort of has to go on eventually. But uh, it, it's just you know, it's like what do you do as a reporter right now? Because nothing else really matters yeah. other than this guy's. Uh, well-being yeah and that's that's the thing i mean i having covered the league having you know briefly played in it and played in college played football my whole life we all have this mentality we, we joke but we call it move the drill because when someone gets hurt yeah. you move the drill up five and you always knew someone was hurt bad when you moved it up 10 right and we're like oh you moved it up 10 and the game doesn't stop it goes on so when you you see something like that and, and games get canceled 
you know, again, I, I just, it's just not something like, I, I think in football, whether you, you've played it, whether you've covered it, you've been around it, we're all conditioned to deal with things. And I just don't know how anyone can be conditioned to deal with what we dealt with last night. And now, you know, have you talked to anyone in Seattle? What kind of the mentality going forward? Because Seattle has a mammoth game for them this week that will happen. Yeah, I, I have not. You know, the, the timing of it, it was after we had heard from Pete Carroll uh, last night. He did his afternoon press conference, and we won't hear from him or anybody else from the Seahawks uh, in any sort of press conference or locker room setting until tomorrow. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's like it, it always amazes me when, um, you know, there's that moment in an NFL game where a guy is clearly seriously hurt and the game stops for 10 minutes uh, while he's being tended to. And again, you know, sometimes there's like an ambulance involved and you've yeah. got to get a guy, um, it, you know, that's, that's the safest way to get him off the field is with an ambulance. And then it's, I always wonder how these guys, you know, how these guys play right after that. It's like, how, how do you see that? And then just get back on with the game. I, I know it's, it sort of has to happen eventually, but it's just always amazed me that players somehow find it in them to, you know, to center themselves after seeing something really difficult like that. And so it's, that's, I don't know when it's going to happen, but uh, you know, that's what these guys are going to have to do. Yeah. I mean, you saw it a little bit last night. You saw Burrow start to throw the ball a little bit. You saw what Stefan Diggs trying to rally the troops, so to speak. And, and I, I don't fault anyone. It's like we, we, we get into this and, you know, whether we want to point blame at the NFL, because you didn't cancel it soon enough or people, you know, pointing fingers and you shouldn't have been doing this. You shouldn't have been doing that. I have a hard time, pointing critical fingers uh, in times of crisis when, like you said, it, it really is an unprecedented sort of thing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would hope that the NFL was not, um, you know, thinking of resuming that game, knowing that this guy's life was hanging in the balance. I, you know, I know that Joe Buck is a, a fantastic broadcaster and I, I don't think he would have made that up or he, he certainly wouldn't have made it up. And I don't think he would have gone with it unless he, he got it from somewhere that he felt was reliable. And so, um, it, you know, the NFL has sort of tried to distance itself from that idea. And, and I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that in times like this, it's really important for people, A, to, you know, try to be mindful of, of what they say and also B, to give other people grace because, you know, there, there's no handbook for something like this. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's nearly unprecedented. And so it's like, what, what experience do people have to draw on to know what to do or what to say? Um, you just hope that it, you just do it with as much respect as possible. But I, I think there are going to be times where, um, you know, people don't, don't say the right thing because they don't really know what to say. We're talking to Brady Henderson, uh, Seahawks reporter for ESPN. Uh, let's try to pivot here. I, I know it's, it's awkward, but let's you know, pivot here to look ahead with, with Seattle. You know, monster game here. You know, at the beginning of the year, it looked like Seattle was um, kind of the, the darling of the NFL, the surprise team. And here we are now, kind of a, a do-or-die sort of situation. And now with the NFL putting Green Bay in the schedule where they're at, some people feel like this is a little bit unfair to Seattle here. Just kind of, uh, you think Pete Carroll's thoughts about going into this week in, um, in, a, in a must-win and need some help situation for Seattle. Yeah, and I'm sure you guys have gone over this, but just to, to refresh you know, the, the listeners on this. So normally what happens in situations like this where there's a, a you know, end of regular season game or there's multiple games that sort of have overlapping implications like this where you know, the Seahawks need to win 
to get in, and they also need Detroit to beat Green Bay. Yeah. Uh, if the Seahawks win, then Detroit is eliminated no matter what happens in their game. And so normally when there's situations like that, the NFL schedules those games at the same time, the exact same time, to avoid one of them uh, becoming meaningless, which is, again, what would happen if the Seahawks win uh, – if they win in the early slot, then Detroit knows it has nothing to play for. So that, again, works kind of against the Seahawks, or it could potentially, because if the Seahawks win, Detroit is, you know, could conceivably be less motivated uh, in that game, knowing that they don't have a playoff berth on the line. And now, I, I, I do, you know, think Pete Carroll made a good point yesterday that um, if anybody could get a team motivated, it's Dan Campbell. And <laughs> if anybody has watched, uh, you know, Hard Knocks, they would probably get yeah. that same idea. Uh, but you know, I think there is something to be said too for the letdown factor in human nature of knowing that. Um, I, I just still think that guys would be a little more motivated, uh, knowing that they could potentially make the playoffs. And so, um, the Seahawks have to hold up their end of that bargain for any of that to matter. And you know, remember that the Rams were the only team they beat during that stretch of five games and six losses, and they needed a, a late touchdown drive by Geno Smith to do it. And uh, that was a Rams team that didn't have Baker Mayfield, who's, I know they, they offense fell flat uh, on Sunday, but he's been a bit of a shot in the arm for them. So, um, you know, we're all, we're all talking about this Green Bay uh, Detroit game, but the, the Seahawks have to take care of business for any of that to that. Win or lose, is this viewed as a successful season considering what uh, at least a lot of us, including me, thought was a, was a wasted year? Even if, even if this thing falls flat, is this still considered a positive uh, move forward or because of the way it started, is this going to be viewed as, as a disappointment, a, a massive one? I, I think it'll be the former. I, I think you would consider this season a success and a positive step. You sort of have to pull yourself back from, you know, the, being in the season itself because, you know, they were six and three and maybe they were kind of punching above their weight a little bit uh, at that time. And then they lost five of six. And, um, you know, look, they're in this position that they're in of needing not only to win, but needing help from somebody else because they, uh, you know, hit that really rough patch. And, look, you, you don't expect them to beat the 49ers. The 49ers are, might be the best or the second-best team in the NFC right now. Yeah. You don't expect them to beat Kansas City uh, at Arrowhead Stadium, but you really probably should have won uh, the games against the Raiders and against the Panthers at home, two teams that were under 500 uh, at the time. And, and, again, you're playing at home. And so um, – those games are disappointing, and if the Jets don't make the playoffs, they can look back at those games, and, and that's going to be tough. But, again, pull yourself back and, and go back to the beginning of the season. This was not a team that was expected to even sniff the playoffs. Uh, you're breaking in a new defense. You're, you traded your franchise quarterback, and Russell Wilson went with his longtime backup. And, and by the way, you know they're playing – they're relying on a ton of rookies, and they have really committed to – uh, sort of developing those guys and, and living through the inevitable growing phase. I think I looked at last night, I think they've got the second most snaps uh, of rookies, combined snaps from rookies this season of any team in the NFL. It, it's hard to win and do that. And uh, yet they've, they've done it enough to give, give themselves a chance. And then you factor in, you know, the, the, how loaded they are in draft capital with what's going to be a top five pick in addition to their own first round pick also have Denver's second round pick. So, um, and you've got a young core of players that, that look like they, they could be really some foundational pieces there. So um, as disappointing as it would be to make the playoffs, I think this season is going to be a, a success no matter what. I still think that they are set up pretty well for the future. They've got to figure out the quarterback situation. Though. Yeah, and that's the last thing before I, I cut you loose. Just I know that we're a long way off, but 
what do you do with Geno Smith? What do you do right now, which would be the number three overall pick? If if Bryce Young is sitting there, if Levis is sitting there, if if CJ Stroud is sitting there, do they do they pull the trigger on that? Or do you think going forward that Geno Smith has done enough to be the franchise quarterback? I think that he has, yeah. And and you know, maybe that's a shorter term deal where you give yourself some wiggle room uh to get out if if this proves to you know, if he somehow falls off, but um, you know, there's, there's nothing about his game that suggests to me, at least that this is like fluky or that it's, um, you know, like a house of cards or anything, just because you see the accuracy and you see the, the playmaking and stuff. And, um, again, I'm not going to pretend like I saw any of this coming from Geno Smith, but I will say that it, it just doesn't seem like it's all about to fall apart. And, um, you know, look, if they, if there's always the chance that they fall in love with one of these guys, like they did with, you know, Patrick Mahomes in, in 2017, where I've been told by several people in that front office that if he would, if, if he would have gotten to them uh, in the first round, that they would have taken Patrick Mahomes, even when Russell Wilson was there. I know that they tried to trade uh, Russell Wilson in 2018 uh, to the Cleveland Browns for the number one overall pick because they wanted to draft Josh Allen. So there's been quarterbacks that they have fallen in love with, and maybe that could happen with one of these guys. Uh, but absent that, I think, I think Geno Smith has done a good enough job to remain the starter. Uh, there's a question of whether or not you're going to be able to agree on a price. And, and I've said this before, and I'll say it to you guys too, that look, Geno Smith, I cover him every week. I can tell how confident the guy is, how much he believes in himself. And I just get the sense that with that confidence, with how well he's played this year and how underpaid he's been uh, making three and a half billion dollars. He's only, I say only in air quotes, only made $14 million over 10 NFL seasons, I could see him trying to really max it out and saying, I'm not going to give the Seahawks any sort of a discount. And I could see the Seahawks taking the approach of, okay, uh, they want to sign him, but or do they feel like another team is going to give him the kind of money that he's wanting? And I could see them letting him get the free agency and saying, hey, see what you can get uh, and give us a chance to match it. And then if, if they can't agree on a price there, then, then maybe they go with Drew Locke uh, and or draft pick and, and hope that their system can uh, yield similar results for a lot cheaper than what they would have to pay Geno Smith. You can find him on Twitter at Brady Henderson. We really appreciate you taking a couple minutes for us on a uh, on an awkward day, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you in the future here, and hopefully getting back to some sense of normalcy, and hopefully uh, hear some good news uh, from the medical world on uh, on Mister Hamlin real real soon. Appreciate you taking a couple minutes for us. All right. You bet. I second all that. Thank you guys for having me, and, and take care. All right, that'll do it for us. When we come back. We got to get back on the clock. Went a little long there. I do want to, we, at some point, we will pivot. So we got the Pac 12 Jamboree coming up here at the uh, top of the hour. So squeeze in a little more NFL stuff, short segment, and then uh, we'll position this uh, maybe a, a quick little pivot because there is a lot to talk to. We got to talk about Oregon's bowl game, Oregon State with a 10 win season, a huge transfer for the Beavs that we'll get to at some point. Talk about the USC collapse. So still a ton of football to come here on primetime. You're listening here on 1080 The Fan. Comes down the I've right, got a little short segment here before we move into the world of college football. We'll do our Pac-12 Jamboree coming up here at four o'clock. We were talking to Brady Henderson there, and you know, I tried to, to to pivot a little bit here towards talking about the week ahead in the NFL. And you kind of pointed out during the break we got the the Under Armour All American game going on one side, and then uh, the ESPN you know coverage still going on. And you know, they they've really been talking about the the DeMar Hamlin thing now really going for, um, you know, 24 hours. And, and I, and, you know, for the, the national guys, I get why, like I said, it just, it, it kind of puts this fog over 
everything else and it almost feels weird trying to talk about football going ahead but that is kind of one of those things where i i feel like you know i think we all understand the gravity of the situation but and this is why we're trying to kind of do this delicate dance today but we are going to try to provide you with with maybe a little bit of a distraction and maybe a sense of normalcy because at this point i mean there's nothing we can do i mean it is the definition of thoughts and prayers which normally it just absolutely drives me crazy but there is nothing else to do and maybe that's why you know people are are kind of glued to this because it does kind of feel like such a helpless sort of situation yeah you just you know what what do you do i think outside of of what happened i think the big story i mean if we are pivoting is is the green bay packers beating the vikings and and the run they've been on and i know again i know everything seems like it you know Demar Hamlin. It's a big story. It matters. It absolutely matters. But just stepping outside of that, if we're just talking football for yeah. a second, the one and, takeaway. And at some point, I'm hoping that we we can get back to that because it's again, that's one of the beauty parts about sports is it can be a distraction from I, I mean from I, the, the horrible things that happen in life. I think the biggest takeaway is is what the Packers have yeah. done, and I and. Aaron Rodgers this last couple of weeks and beating the Vikings are the Vikings fraudulent. I think early in the year I had some concerns about the Eagles that if you stopped the run game that that would take away so much of what they did and nobody's been able to figure that out yet. It turns out of those teams it may be the Vikings that were fraudulent. Uh, and again I'm talking about what I thought week two, week three, but I I'm I would not be afraid of the Vikings. I think in the right setting. I don't care whether you're the Cowboys, the Eagles. I, I think the Packers might scare you just a little bit, and I think you're probably rooting for them not to get in if you can help it because <laughs> the other teams that are yeah. involved in that um, aren't aren't as scary. Yeah. I, I just think there's – even though Rodgers has mostly failed in his career in the playoffs, I think he's kind of starting to be on a heater, and that team is starting to be on a heater. They figured out who they are with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. They found some receivers, well, and, and what, that team is much better than they were well, six look, weeks ago. And look at the quarterbacks, right? Because the three teams battling for the final NFC playoff spot, everything's locked in in the NFC except for, um, well, seating-wise, no. But team-wise. Team-wise. Yeah, we're talking teams. Team. You, you, you have three teams battling for the last spot. So you got Seattle, you got Detroit, you got Green Bay. So if you don't know the scenario, Seattle wins – and Detroit wins, Seattle's in. If Green Bay wins, they're in, period. Green Bay is the one team that controls their own destiny. They need help from no one. Green Bay wins, they're in. If Detroit beats Green Bay, they need the Rams to beat Seattle. And this is what we were talking about with Brady Henderson is the NFL kind of screwed <laughs> screwed over the, the Seahawks in, the, in this way, and the Seahawks will play early. So they will know what if Seattle beats the Rams, then Detroit basically is playing for nothing other than pride. And believe me, Dan Campbell will have that team up for it. But the biting kneecaps. But the bite, yeah, he's going to have one ass cheek and three toes, and he's still going to go at Green Bay. And he said as much. He goes, I don't care what the score is, but you can't tell me that that doesn't have a little bit of an impact. So Detroit in Green Bay will know when they play Sunday night exactly what is on the line. But those are the scenarios. Seattle is in with a win and a Detroit win. Detroit is in with a Lions win and a Rams win, and Green Bay is in with just a Green Bay win. And yes, I would say that if I'm a if I'm an NFC team and I'm asking you're asking the question who I don't want to play, I think that pecking order is Green Bay, Detroit, and Seattle. Yeah, and I, and I look you look at Seattle and and credit to them for the start of the season they had because it, it was a fantastic start to the season, yeah. and that and a lot of rookies stepped up. There are a lot of positives. You know, uh, Geno Smith, better than we thought. The young offensive tackles, better than we thought. Uh, you know, Woolen, better cor- rookie corner than anyone expected. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal building blocks. 
that O-line has looked like it's bookended yeah. by two rookies well, the last and, eight and, weeks of the and, season. And you, and you they're, the the worst, they're the worst O-line in the yeah. league right now, according to PFF, or the last half of the season. And when that happens, I don't care who you are, yeah. uh, you know, you could be a pretty good quarterback and suddenly look like Zach Wilson when you don't have time to throw. Let's, and, whoa, and, whoa, <laughs> don't, don't be throwing around the Zach Wilson stuff. I just, that's them, them's fighting words, because that's a whole different level of bad. I just had to take a BYU shot real that's, quick. Hey, G- well, but Geno Smith uh, hasn't had a lot of time to throw, and, and it looks like he's regressed. And that's not entirely the case. Tyler Lockett's been banged up, yeah. and and their two tackles have been exposed a little bit. They've also had some injuries along the offensive line, including one of those rookie tackles, Abraham Lucas. So it's been a struggle for the for the Seahawks. They're limping in, yeah. whereas the Packers are playing about as good a football as anybody in the NFC right and, now. And other I, than the 49ers. 49ers, by the way. And Brock Purdy. Look, I know we were up against it. I, well, maybe in the 5 o'clock hour we're going to be able to swing oh, back. please, can we swing back We'll, to we'll swing back. Let's do it. Look, My happy place. I, I hate to do this because it feeds your narcissism when it comes to the, the 49ers. Oh, this is sweet. Just a second. Let me take a picture. They may be the best team in football. Oh, God, yes. They, their defense looks... Like the '85 Bears, except if you watched them this week. <laughs> yeah, I guess against the against, <laughs> against the, Jared, against Stidham. Jared Stidham. <laughs> I don't know how much that had to do with the fact that you were paying, playing or you were playing Jared Stidham, and you kind of take your foot off the gas. But if Debo gets healthy, and you have that run game, and McCaffrey stays healthy, and Purdy looks like. He he looks like a, a a better armed Jimmy Garoppolo. He needs to be functional, and he's better than functional. He is he's better a B than, plus. He is better than functional. You have as good a weapons as you're going to find around the league, and you have a defense that is absolutely terrifying. They have the look. I've been on Philly all year. I for the I said Philly is is my team. Yeah, I don't it, like Philly still. Hurts, obviously, the injury, and we'll see what happens there. But it, right now, if you had to tell me, I'm got, I got neutral field. I got Philly and I got San Francisco. I'm taking San Francisco. Oh, gosh, say it again, soon. And that hurts me. It hurts me to say that with Brock Purdy. But the 49ers just, they have that look about them. All right, when we come back, pivot a little bit. We get into the world of college football. You got primetime here on The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.
Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.